Bust Down is a new show on Peacock. It comes out on the tail of a lot of other NBC shows, Bel Air, The Thing About Pam, Joe vs. Carol. It's kind of refreshing now that we get a comedy as opposed to something based off a podcast, like a mockumentary or documentary that just follows something or a terrible person. But the strange thing about the show is that as much as it's a comedy, it also does try to like address topical issues. Like Atlanta? Uh, a little bit, but are... it has a different tone than I think a lot of different TV shows do. That's okay, I'm going to throw out some shows, and you're going to tell me if it matches those Okay. Right. Okay, Blind Spotting. No. <laughs> <laughs> Blind Spotting is more like a dark comedy, and this doesn't go as dark as I think maybe it could have. It also takes place in Oakland. This takes place in Gary, Indiana, which is known for its steel mills, Home of the Jacksons, and being a song in the Music Man. Very Other than different. that, yeah. not much. Yeah. Okay, so it all, Reservation Dogs. Uh, no, because, because of the casino aspect. Uh, the casino aspect, but Reservation Dogs was just like the whole entire shocking thing was that it was supposed to be like teens were doing these type of acts. This is these like are teenagers. No, these are just normal, like I'd say, late twenties people just trying to make it to the through their I think nine to five. I think they're all in their thirties in real life. You've got Jack, Sam, Chris, and Langston, four best friends. Uh, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> actually, I actually... think I think it's Langston. Uh, Chris is Langston's cousin. And, like, no one knows what he does there. He, like, he literally doesn't oh, have was, a job. Yeah, so so each one has their own particular job in the casino, the right. Diamond Casino. And so Jack does what? Is he, like, the dishwasher? Or is he, like... Because none of them have the illustrious um, oh, yeah, no, dealer they're, job. They're all in the back. Like, it starts off and you get this cool kind of one-shot take of the casino. And mm-hmm. then when you go to the back, uh, no one knows what Chris does. That's the joke. Sam is the cook. And I think Jack and Langston just kind of work there. As so Chris people. might not actually have a job. Yeah, in fact, Langston is just like, no one knows what he does, but he's best at being Chris. Okay. <laughs> Party down. Party down? Yeah, because mm-hmm. they all work sort of in a job that they don't really yeah. care about. Yeah, and they're yeah, all yeah, friends, yeah. but not really. Out of all the ones that you mentioned, that one probably resonates the most. And then it's always sunny. In terms of like, like outlandish things that happens, there is one part in this episode that reminded me of It's Always Sunny. Well, there's that, and also every character is actually named their actual right. name so you have jack playing jack knight sam playing sam J, chris playing chris red wait did i just flip them no i mean jack knight playing jack <laughs> sam J playing sam chris red playing chris and langston kerman playing langston and again your favorite character is who uh jack okay. but i would also compare it somewhat shockingly to the office just because of that whole entire like they're all the working. workspace yeah the workspace do you see them outside of work there's one that that's where one part takes place at the very end of it all right and so then- we're reviewing the first episode it's called bad hang depressed about their dead-end jobs mm-hmm. the crew fantasizes about a life on the casino floor and the crew helps Jack process inappropriate behavior from their boss. Yeah, I was enjoying the first five minutes because, like I said, you got the cool one-shot take of the casino where everyone's playing around. And then even in the it's back... supposed to pull you in to yeah, the show. It's like, the, welcome to our show. Yeah, and Sam, that's where she's talking about how she wished she could be actually on the floor in the casino working there. And Is I was, Sam the only one, or do they all just envy those people? Who they, yeah, them? they don't want to be where they are right now. They're all just in the back having to cook. They've all or, worked there in real life. That's why they... Oh, really? At one time or another, near vegas and apparently it's all really cool on the showroom floor but when things are slow and you go in the back and it's all just concrete i was enjoying the conversation because they were introducing each character like for like the first five minutes uh and i was enjoying just the so way what that happened after that five minutes that's where horace the boss comes in and he's talking to jack and he's like look we're going to be going to this meeting you need to join me and then they go into a hallway room and then he gropes him he, a hallway room or a hallway room? a hallway okay <laughs> but but yeah he, how does he 
okay, that's a weird question, but like, does he just run he, up on him? Well, no, what? what happens is he's like, you're doing a great job and turns around and just. But not like him. a slap on the ass. No, it was, this it was, was like worse. A full this was a full, yeah. Yeah, so that guy's played by Dan Bacatal. I hope I pronounced that right. He's from Veep and Made for Love. He's such a jackass in Veep. Like, here's no here's no different. I mean, he he literally just straight he up He has an assistant in Veep who he is constantly like just insulting and demeaning <laughs> and that guy is just a bare bones nothing by Maybe me. maybe that's why he was so good at playing this Yeah, character. he's he's good at playing a jackass. So yeah. that's why they cast him. So what ends up happening to him? Is he reported? Is he? They go he to trouble? HR. They go to HR and, and the HR department like starts making fun of Jack. And that was the weird thing about this show. Like when I, they were trying to address such a serious topic through comedy, which is fine, but I don't think it was dark enough to really go that route. Like you know in Shameless when Fiona has that thing happen at the at the superstore, and then like they have that whole episode where she calls in everyone and they're all like deciding what they're going to do. Yes, that made sense because Shameless was such like a fucked up show, and like Skins had all other like storylines like that. But this, it felt like it was almost too light to be addressing it in the way that they were. I heard that the friends, uh, Langston, Sam, and Chris, all had something to say to him. I didn't hear that the HR rep made fun of him. The HR rep did make fun. Of him. He, the one thing that everyone asked. It's in every single scene, and it got tiring after a while. Was um, the same joke? Yeah, they were like, "Did you punch the boss after he did it?" Because the whole entire fact is like, you know, Jack isn't like a kid; he's way older. And they were like, "You could have just stood up for yourself," but like, it was continually asked, and he's like, "No, I didn't want to really cause a problem." This reminds me of the Terry Crews thing that was reported Mm -hmm. a while back, where he was like at a party, and one of like a producer or something did something to him, and he wasn't going to fight, even though he was huge. Yeah, no, my 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 favorite part of the episode probably though was short after jack tells like his friends about the whole entire incident is that chris uh he there's a flashback of him and he's like you know i got was touched by a woman when i was younger and it it didn't affect me and they show a flashback but it's just him it's supposed to be 1997 and it's literally just him all they did was like stick an afro onto him and he (laughs) so that's like a scrubs throwback because i think turk they did the same thing where he They told him Michael Jordan had, like, quit or something, and he pulled out all his hair. (laughs) Yeah, and he's supposed to be playing, like, a teen, so he's trying to be a teen while also... Do they also say it's 1997? Yeah, you hear the narration is. I did hear about that. Yeah, so so that was a funny part of the episode. That's why why I was going to compare it to Aquafina as Nora from Queens, because when they did the flashbacks there, they didn't do anything really to try to make it seem like it was the past besides stick earbuds (laughs) in someone's uh, thing and have them connected by wire as opposed to AirPods. Yeah, but his whole entire, like, that's a B-story storyline and he soon realizes because he's like bragging about it to other people like everyone is then like oh sorry that that happened and then he's like wait was i actually sexually assaulted and then he goes on this whole entire rant and tries to like so he has like his own perks of being a wallflower moment yeah he's he like starts talking with langston about how he can address it and then again for a majority of the episode it's just jack kind of going to different people and everyone being like well why didn't you punch him and and that's that's it until whose advice is the best and whose advice would you probably take i none of their advice was actually good that i think that's where some of the comedy came in sam was just saying you know as a woman and being the only woman there that like he shouldn't do anything about it uh langston probably gave the best advice because he was the one who was like we should actually go to hr and report uh, horace for doing this mm-hmm. and then chris is just he's the crazy one he, he never like makes any sense so you weren't going to listen to him wait what did he say though 
Besides he, the fact that he had he, that tra- he was just post-traumatic like, stress disorder. Or he was like, you weren't really molested because, oh. yeah, he was going like that route right. with it. But at the very end of the episode, this is where I think my biggest problem with the show was, is that, um, so Horace is there, everyone is outside, yeah. they're all talking, and Chris comes in with this crazy video about, like, it's about a sexual assault. He, like, pulls out his laptop, he starts playing it, and really it was all a distraction for Jack to come out with a dildo and try to shove it up Horace's ass. Wow, which, so that's how they ended yeah, up dealing with it. which was somewhat comedic because they did do a straight-up reference to Game of Thrones where Arya kills the White Walker, where like <laughs> he tries to hit Horace with a dildo. Horace puts up his hand to stop it, and then he drops the dildo in his other hand yeah. and shoves it up his ass. That was somewhat funny, but it was also just such a strange payoff once he got through it. Cause it was what like, did the boss do? The boss was just kind of like, oh, well, it, it was more what everyone else did because they were like, yeah, he's touched me as well. He's touched me as well. And the boss runs off. It does feel like it's always sunny. Yeah. That ending feels a lot like next episode won't even pay attention to it. But the thing about it. it's always sunny is that stuff like that always happens. Uh-huh. This, it felt somewhat out of place. Well, maybe because it's a pilot. I mean, yeah, but it just felt strange because it didn't feel like the rest of the pilot was that way. Hmm. The, the thing that happens at the end of the episode is HR, the guy who runs the HR department, decides that he's going to step in as the boss, and then all the male like attendees are going to be escorted to their cars, and then Sam is like, why aren't, why aren't the females? And then the HR department doesn't really have an answer, and that's about the end of the episode. Hmm. So it's like here and there, there was funny parts to it. I think it was better than I thought it was going to be, and it's way better when comparing it to something like Bel Air or like Harlem and I choose those two particularly because of the fact that it's trying to have the diverse cast but also it just felt strange in some scenes the way they decided to go about it. If you put away the like glasses that say let's pay attention to the little finicky parts and Mm -hmm. and just say this is a pilot this it could improve over time and by season two season three yeah if they were to really uh, flesh out the funniest parts would it make for a really good TV yeah. show? Yeah, I think so. Okay. It definitely has potential. Did you recognize the cast besides uh, Chris Redd? Oh, I recognize Chris Redd. Langston Kerman is Eagle the Archer from from The Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. He's in the Church of the Collective. He's the one who recruits the fish guy with his drinks, right. the sodas. Right, yeah. And then you have Sam Jay. She used to work on SNL. She's done everything from Donald Glover Productions to Michael Che specials. Um, and then Jay Knight, uh, he is from Big Mouth. He plays Devon, and I didn't realize this until I was looking into it. So he's dating Devin, if you remember there was Devon. Doesn't he marry Devin in one episode? Yes, you're remembering correctly. But the on-running joke about him is that in the show, he's that they think he's like a really old man, and like there are so many little <laughs> small uh, Easter eggs about it, and like how he. Oh right, yeah, no, 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 I remember. He has arthritis <laughs> and such, and, and and no one's okay. Whatever. This was also directed by Richie Keen. He's directed "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia," so same genre. Also, be positive, so less less like that. Though, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, way less like that. Nothing. That's like the traditional that comedy route. Yeah. Um, he's also working on a show, and I'm wondering. It's based on a movie. It's either "Now You See Me." 17 again or pitch perfect one of those is oh, being wow. turned into a show all three of those seem in, and I, he's working on it uh, 17 again no pitch perfect so get ready for Anna pitch, kendrick pitch, to, wait wait pitch perfect is being made into a tv show yes but <laughs> i i mean i thought that there was like talks about them making a fourth movie they might be so, okay yeah that's, okay but i mean it makes sense because of how many song shows are coming i out, mean yeah or have come out over the last 10 years so in the end what would you give it though 
Overall, I'd give it like a, a solid seven. Solid seven. <laughs> I think that's why, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Hollywood Reporter says it pokes fun at heavy things, but it's first and foremost a lighthearted comedy. Agree or disagree? Uh, yeah, no, I agree with that. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if every other episode tries to deal with some type of serious topic. It's definitely a show that tries to make you feel uncomfortable. Well, it didn't have like a, a message by the end of it, did it? Yeah, that's that. Again, that was probably my biggest Like, there are no it. profound insights. Right. Like, but isn't that like a little bit refreshing? Here, this is a quote from Sam Jay. She said, With this show, there's an opportunity for black folks to be silly again and not have to carry the weight of the world on their shoulders or not have to solve racism in one episode or season. We can be goofy. That's why we built the show the way we did. We wanted the characters to be irresponsible and say the wrong thing because that's real life. And looking at some of the shows that we've done like you mentioned before harlem and what was the other one you said bel-air yeah other ones like uh dear white people atlanta insecure lovecraft uh country or county uh blackish blind spotting i may destroy you them many are super critically acclaimed shows um but all of them have part of their identity established and grounded in this point about the hypocrisy in which society that's, always sees yeah, racial inequality. I can understand that. That's true. But when you make a show, you do like come up with. You're supposed to have some type of message at the end no, of this. No, I'm saying that you don't necessarily need to. If it's going to follow the same route as it's always sunny then it can be funny and entertaining and relatable, even if they're just terrible people. You know, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to be a role model to be. If we're at that point in making these type of shows, then that's that's a good thing that means we're taking a step forward right? it, it did remind me a little bit also of keenan because chris red is in there yes keenan is like the best yeah. friend isn't he yeah so yeah overall and, and, and you're making a good point too because this is chris red's show from snl's lore michaels is working on it he's also worked on so many so other chris shows. Red created it yeah along with the rest of the four mm -hmm. they oh, all okay. four created it that's why they kept their names and and had these honest conversations about how they're gonna make their characters it's just exaggerated versions of themselves yeah i would hope so <laughs> keenan has keenan uh kate has carol versus joe 80 has uh human resources coming out next week actually oh okay michael che has his own show who do you think the next SNL person is that's going to get their next TV show? I, I, I already know the answer. You know the answer. So I'm going to give you three people here. Okay. We either have Pete Davidson, Colin Jost, or Melissa Villasenor. Mm, okay, all of those are interesting. I don't think Pete Davidson's going to have his own show because he does a lot of movies now. Colin Jost. That's uh, a fair oh, assessment. Oh, oh, oh. It, it might be Colin Jost for like some type of talk show maybe. Because Seth Meyers did the same thing. That would mean he's probably leaving SNL. You yeah. Think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Or, or mm, no, you know what, Melissa, I don't know how Vill to say Vill 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 Senor. <laughs> Vill Senor, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it's actually Pete Davidson. He's coming out with a show, kid you not, called Bupkiss. And it's going to be a show like Curb Your Enthusiasm. But with oh, Pete Davidson. Oh my god, that actually sounds great. <laughs> You're going to watch that one? I want to see that. We'll do that one? Okay. Um. So you said that you'd give it a 7. That's, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. I, it has a 7 on IMDb right now. Here's here's the complaint, though. No one's talking about this show, and I'm worried about it because of that. I knew that if you had any positive response towards it, it was going to be sad because there's only 100 reviews on uh, IMDb, which is fine if this was on a small network mm -hmm. or if it was just coming about. But the show is technically NBC, and they dumped all the episodes, and 
for instance, they did the same thing with Joe vs. Carol, and that has a 5.9, but it's pulling in a huge audience. It got a ton of publicity. I could barely find any reviews on this show. Yeah. And so I, it, it makes me think maybe it's just going to drop under the radar and, and not get picked up again. It might very well do that because I know that with like Bel Air, they're at least releasing it weekly. Oh, yeah. And it had all that like previous stuff. Yeah. And so, like, as a society, it makes <laughs> us question, like, oh, we don't like it when they just rehash the same material then why are we watching it? Then why do we like get so pumped up and, and like uh, almost angry watch it, you know? Yeah. No, Versus something like this where it's at least original. Also, what's your favorite casino game? Because that's where the sticks p- takes place, right? Do you see it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we see people like play craps at first. I like the slot machine because I think I've had the most success with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but not roulette. Roulette, no. Roulette's no. probably my favorite. Yeah, I have the best luck with it at least. <laughs> um, anything else that you want to say about the episode? No, I mean, it, it was just kind of like, it, it was a fine, it was a fine, oh, do you know who Brandon Chee Jackson is? No. Yeah. Not just based okay. off the name, but so I'm terrible don't. with names. Yeah, the thing is, is that, like, that happens midway through the episode, I think, uh, they talk about the mass Singer, and then the HR department says that he thinks it's someone, and then Langston says, I think that it's actually Brandon Chee Jackson, and then the head of the HR department was like, I don't know who that is, but I need, he's the, he's the person who plays Grover in the Percy Jackson films. He's been on, like, a ton of films, also, like, Lottery Ticket, and he's, like, been on a ton of TV shows. He so sounds familiar. I was surprised when Grover's the, not the one-eyed guy, right? Grover is the the goat. <laughs> the oh, goat so he's not the second? Yeah, he was, yeah, like, one yeah. of the friends. Right, so I was surprised when they decided to go with that, because I was like, I know who Brandon T. Jackson is. He's, he's relatively famous, so. Hmm. Yeah. Well, again, I'm terrible with names, but good on you for catching it. Um, That'll be where we end this one. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.